Good to see you all this morning. Uh, I'm going to talk a bit about. I'm going to talk through Second Peter today, um, through uh, chapter one. Um, but first, I want to talk a little bit about um, God's nature. So Fee and I have been helping out with the youth ministry. Um, yeah, awesome, and and that's been a lot of fun, and. Uh, us with the team, we've been meeting together and we've been praying and saying, hey, Lord, what are you saying to these guys? We don't want to just come with our ideas and our sort of opinions and what we know works or doesn't work. Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? And we felt him say last term, he was talking to the youth about hearing his voice. And so we did some, some you know, exercises and activities around that. And, um, and we had fun with that. And then this term, we feel that the, the Lord has been speaking about making his nature known, his character known, revealing himself. And so that's what we've been talking about with the, the youth guys. Because it's helpful, if you want to hear what God is saying, it's helpful to be able to know what the kind of things that he would say. And to do that, you know his. You need to know his nature, his character. So, like Fee was talking earlier, so you know that when fear rises up, you know that's not God, because He doesn't speak in the language of fear, because He is love. And so, by knowing His nature and His character, we can we can hear Him clearer and, and better. And uh, and this process happens, which is called sanctification. Um, long word, but it just means becoming more like Jesus. Because after, after a while, his nature starts to be reflected in our nature, doesn't it? And that's, that's the way it's supposed to happen anyway. And uh, we know that um, that's reflected in... Uh, Russ started a few, well, months ago now, on doing a series of fruit, Fruits of the Spirit. Um, we haven't got very far through because he, he's been away and... Other people have been talking. But I just want to refer back to that. In Galatians 5.22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So the fruit of the Spirit actually reflects the nature of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not asking you to be something that the Spirit isn't already. That makes sense. And we know this, uh, well, I don't know this because I'm not a parent, but I hear from parents that, um, that kids will catch what their parents do, not necessarily what their parents say. So it's not, uh, not good enough just to, just to tell them to be good. You have to be good. You have to be the example because they're looking at you and they become what you are. And we do the same as, as we grow up. We spend time with around, around our parents and we, we become like them because of the time spent with them. And I was visiting my family uh, in January and I walked in, I was, we're staying at my sister's house and I walked into the kitchen and my sister did the double take and she says, oh, I thought you were dad walking in here. But I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be like my dad. I'm not like, okay, I'll walk the way he walks and I'll talk the way. I'm not, it's just a natural thing because I grew up and I spent time with him. And so now I'm like him. So we don't become more Christ-like. We don't have this, this process of sanctification by 
staring inward and like, oh, I've got to change this about myself and, oh, this isn't quite right. I need to change these things. But we become more Christ-like by looking outward at Jesus and fixing our eyes on him and hanging out with him. I loved what Margaret shared um, this morning in the prayer meeting. Knowing him. Not knowing about him, but knowing him. So let's, um, let's have a look through Second Peter chapter 1. And it starts in verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Let me read through to, um, to verse 11 and then we'll, we'll go through it verse by verse. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Great passage. So I thought we'd, we'd talk through it because there's a few things which um, I just wanted to, to pull out of that and discuss this morning. So verse 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Did you notice that Peter, against the convention that we understand of the world, he's a servant first and an apostle second. But we know, like in, in the world's scheme of things, you've got to talk yourself up and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm the apostle. And, but no, Peter puts his servanthood before his gifting. Now, servanthood, uh, the idea of owning servants or slaves was very common in the time that this was written. Very common. It's just a part of life. In fact, um, I read somewhere that as much as one-third of the Roman population were slaves. And another one-third had been slaves at some point in their life. Because... Slavery was just a normal part of their culture and life. It's almost a form of social welfare in that time. If you couldn't pay your debt, if you, you owed more than you could pay, you become a slave to, the, to your debtor. And then you work. 
but they have to look after you. You, you're, you become their property, so they technically should look after you and you know, feed you and give you somewhere to sleep, and then you work for them until you can pay off your debt. So to be a free citizen was the highest status. But Simon, he calls himself a bond servant. And a bond servant slightly different to a normal indentured servant or a slave in that they choose to go into servitude. They love their master so much, they say, I choose to stay your servant for the rest of my life. It says in... Um, in Exodus 21, this is in Moses' times, uh, verse 5, But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges, he, he shall bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Get your ear pierced. Chonk. And now you belong to the master. So, so Paul was saying, I belong to the master. And it's only in that complete servitude to the king do we actually find our freedom. We can be so caught up with claiming our freedom or, or, or you know, fighting for our freedom that we forget that our freedom is actually when we give everything to Jesus. That's where we find our freedom. It's not ours to take, it's his to give. In John 8, 36, it says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And we are free from the wages or the price to be paid for our sin. So I love the fact that Simon here, he puts his service before his gifting. Because if you get them around the other way, it can get dangerous. In Mark 10, uh, 42, halfway through the verse, it starts with this. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. <coughs> Let me just say, gifting is dangerous if it is not deployed in the context of servitude. Gifting is dangerous if it is not deployed in the context of servitude. I can tell who the mature Christians are among us, not by gifting, but by servanthood. Mature Christians look to serve. They understand the concept of service and serving. Immature Christians look to be served. 
And look, we've all been there. And some of us, you know, in aspects of our life, talking to myself, still are there, waiting for the Lord to grow us up. But it's a process. So you can tell who truly understands what it means to be added to his church. If you are added here, Tim already talked about this today. If you are added to this church, if you have said, yes, I feel Jesus is adding me here, then you are added here for kingdom purpose. You're not added here to just be here. There's a kingdom purpose. There's service to the king that is yours to walk in if you are added here. Jesus adds you here. We don't add you. You don't add you. But if Jesus is calling you here, you feel added. There's purpose in his process. He has a plan. He, he knows why he's adding you here. All right, you still my friends? Let's move on. Verse 1, uh, we're still in verse 1. Uh, we'll finish off verse 1. We'll get there. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So this passage that, that um, uh, Peter is writing, this is to Christians. And we know that because of what he just said there. But if you're a non-Christian in this room, if you don't know Jesus, you have an opportunity today. So that all of what I'm talking can apply to you too. Um, and you can do it while you're sitting. You can do it right now, if you like, while you're sitting there while I'm talking. doesn't matter. You can do it after the service. You can do it whenever you like. But all you need to do to make, you just make Jesus your Lord. You give him all of your life and you commit to follow him for the rest of your days, trusting in his sacrifice to cover your sin so that you are restored to relationship with God. If that's what you want today, you can. If you, if you choose to, to do that today, make yourself known. If you've come with someone, um, chat to them about it. Let them know that that's the decision that you've made. Um, or if you haven't come with someone, you feel free to, to talk about it to, to someone who you're sitting by or when we're having a cup of coffee later. Or can come down the front and we're happy to talk to you. So verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I love this because it talks about a multiplication. There's something greater that happens. It's not just oh, me plus some stuff. It's not just me added to something. There's a multiplication. There's an abundance. And there's a growing, like it's multiplying out. There's grace and peace, ever-growing amounts. As we grow in our relationship or our knowing of Jesus. So it says in here, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And, and that knowledge is just not, I don't have idea I know about Jesus. No, it's knowing Jesus. And to keep it PG, it's the same as in the Bible, a husband would know his wife. There's an intimacy in the relationship that this is talking about, that this is calling us into this intimate encounter, this knowing Jesus. And in fact, it says in the word, 
I don't have the reference, but it's in there, I promise, that Jesus says, you know, we come to him, we say, oh, look at all this stuff I did for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, get away from me. I didn't know you. There's this thing where he wants to know us and he wants us to know him. And in that place, everything flows. Grace and peace be multiplied. We are free from the entanglements of the world because we can walk in peace. There's a multiplication of grace and peace as I draw near to him. And as, as it's multiplying in my life and it's abundant in my life, it starts to come out of me and multiplies around me to people I come into contact with. Verse 3. As his divine power... so. Grace and peace because we know him as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Again, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Stop waiting around. You already have everything you need to do the work of the ministry. If he has called you to do something, do it. You have everything you need. Given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So if he's called you to do something, do it. If he hasn't called you to do something, if you're still waiting for that call, while you're waiting, read Mark 16 verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Do that while you're waiting, and you'll find that that's actually your call. That's all of our call. Oh, should I get, should I get a job or should I study? Well, what do you want to do? Oh, well, I want to study. Great. Go study, and while you're studying, preach the gospel. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking I might move to Melbourne. Or Is Melbourne part of the world? Yeah, yeah. Great. Go into all the world. Go over there. Preach the gospel. Make it part of your life. This is our calling. And we have everything we need. Oh, I'm not ready. No, you're not ready. But he is ready. He is ready. Our readiness is not based on our ability. Our readiness is based on our trust in him. Our trust in Jesus. In fact, if you are ready, if you think, yes, I'm ready now, you're not ready anymore because you've just started relying on your own strength. Chuck that away. Rely on him. He will make you ready. We can spend our entire lives gathering knowledge without ever applying it. We just need to know him. I'm not saying knowledge is bad. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But we walk in relationship with him. He is what we need. So we don't replace getting to know Jesus with a podcast or a book. Again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I listen to podcasts, I read books. But our primary focus is our relationship with Jesus and everything flows from that and everything else should be done in the context of that. So if you know Jesus, you have everything you need right now to be part of the priesthood and to do the work of the ministry. Verse 4. 
my Bible did have verse 4 earlier. Here it is. By which have been... So we talked about we get grace and peace through knowing him. We get everything we need for life and godliness, again, through knowing him. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So another translation for lust is the evil desires of the world. What I like about this, it it talks again about the divine. So we talked in in verse 3, his divine power has given us these things, his divine power enables us to come close to him so that we can experience his divine nature. Not just experience his divine nature, partake of his divine nature. So it becomes us. We start to partake of it. And we, we become like him. Divine power enables us to come close. Divine nature becomes like us. We, well, it's supposed to happen that way. So these, as we, as we come close to him, we are becoming like him. Let's move on to verse 5. But, for, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness Love. Now, these aren't the fruits of the Spirit, if you like, that are found in Galatians, but these are attributes of God. Because these, these things are growing in us as we spend time with Him. Again, He's not asking us to be something that He isn't. And these things are growing in us by God not through our own effort. He's not saying, right, Johan, you're, you're lacking in brotherly kindness, work harder. And I'm like, oh, okay, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness. Okay, I'll write, I'll write all the notes on my hand, how to be kind to my, what? I don't even know what brotherly kindness is, so I better look at the dictionary. What is brotherly kindness? Okay, I don't have to be kind to ladies, just brothers. Okay, got it. <laughs> and I'm working so hard to try and be, have, have this thing, whereas all I need to do is allow him to grow it in me. But it's interesting uh, because we, we're not removed entirely from the responsibility because there's three annoying little words in there. Giving all diligence. We can't just say, oh, well, you do it, Lord. I'll get on my way and you just grow it in me. No, we actually have a responsibility in partnership with him. What is that responsibility? So it's our responsibility to be diligent in making space for the attributes of God to grow in our life. We don't cause the growth, but we can plant seeds and we can water. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, it says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God, who gives the increase. 
So we're not responsible for the growth of fruit. But we are to be diligent in the planting and the watering. To plant and to water is to give value to what God is doing in your life. It's to create a fertile space in your heart. And that can mean celebrating what the Holy Spirit's doing. That can mean allowing the Holy Spirit to challenge and convict us, to have a repentant heart. I love what you brought this morning, Steve. And to choose to celebrate the growth that he brings in you, to recognize it from him and celebrate it. All these things create this fertile soil in our heart where we can plant seeds, we can water the seeds, and God starts bringing this growth. You know, there's this picture in the Bible where we're walking through the valley and it's dark, but he is with us. And there's a banquet table and he is leading us through. And there's growth that happens. And nobody likes growth when it happens. Growth is hard, but there's a purpose. There's a banquet table. There's a purpose for how he grows us and what we go through. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You know, some translations say fan into flames. There's this idea that, you know, things that God has placed in our heart, it's our responsibility to get excited about those things. It's our responsibility to nurture those things. To recognize it's from God. To treasure them. To fan and to flame the cool coals of revival in our heart. It's not the worship team's job to get you excited this morning. To get you revved up. To play the song that you needed to hear. Just, oh, yes, that's the one. The Holy Spirit's here now. It's not their job. It's our job to stir up the things in our heart, to stir up the coals, the cooling coals of revival in our hearts, to hang on to the promises that God's given us, to remember the joy of our salvation. If God has given you something, treasure that. Understand that when he gives us something, it is for us, but it's never just for us. So that means not only are we responsible to be diligent about creating this fertile soil in our heart for for these attributes of God to grow in our life, to plant and to water, but we can do it for each other. We can plant and we can water each other. We can encourage one another to be fertile ground for growth. You know, there's some people who think it's their job to walk around pulling out the weeds. And sometimes they pull out the wheat as they go. But mature Christians know how to plant seed and to water one another and to allow the Holy Spirit to do the pruning and the tending 
and the growing in each of our lives. Okay, verse 8. For, for if these things are yours and abound, what things? So he's talking about all of that stuff we've just covered. So being near him, um, having the grace and peace, having the, all things that pertain to life and godliness, all those um, fruitfulness things that we talked about. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So everything that we've read, everything that we've been going through is a picture of fruitfulness. Because he says, if you don't have these things, you're unfruitful. So if you do have these things, well, we're fruitful, aren't we? There's this linking of fruitfulness with farsightedness, looking outward. And it's saying, if if you don't, if you're short-sighted, then you've even forgotten the joy of your salvation. And, And it's easy for us preaching to myself, easy for me to become short-sighted after going through a season of global pandemic and the way that it affects me and how my life has changed and how I had to do things differently and I've got used to looking at myself. My sight has become short. Because even if I wanted to look out I couldn't go there because we were, I don't want to say trapped, we were protected in our borders. But I believe I have a word for the church today. And this church, sorry, this word is this. It is time for us to look beyond our circumstance, to lift up our eyes off of our situation or our circumstance and to get them back onto Jesus, to change the focus of our sight. And that can mean we look, how do we serve those around us instead of staring at my own needs? Because the Lord has given me everything I need for life and for godliness, how can I start giving it away? Change my focus from, oh, what do I need, to how can I help? Fruitfulness is grown in us for a purpose. A tree doesn't grow up and bear fruit for a season and then drops all the fruit on the ground and that's it. The purpose of a tree is to bear fruit, which then spreads sustenance and enjoyment as people partake of the fruit. That's why you're fruitful. Not so you can be fruitful, so that people around you can enjoy your fruitfulness. The second word I would like to speak to the church is, it's the first one, it's time to look out beyond our circumstance. The second is, it's time to look beyond the walls. We don't want to be a church that stands around in a circle looking inward. And it has been easy in COVID because, you know, we've struggled to meet together. But, you know, we're through that now. But some of that culture has 
has sort of come along with us. It's easy to just sit at home and, well, not for us because we don't live stream, but it's easy for anyone to, to tune into whatever live stream they, they like from whatever stream or denomination or whatever. I'm not having a go at that. I'm, I'm just saying that's the reality we are now. So I can have church in my pajamas sitting at home, but it's not church. It's a message on a screen. Church is the body of believers coming together. Sorry, I'm getting off track. So my word is time to look beyond the walls. We don't want to be a church that stands around looking inward. We don't want our focus, hear me here, we don't want our focus on caring for one another to be greater than our focus on advancing the kingdom. Don't hear what I'm not saying. We need to care for one another. But that's not all we do. And we can't let our focus for caring for one another be the only thing we do and we lose sight of what God has placed us here as a church for to be advancing his kingdom. So we need to be a church that looks in and looks out. Time to look out beyond the walls. So what does that mean? That means what I said before, what has God added you here for? What what are you here for? Are you here to plant a church? Are you here to respond to a need? Do you see a need in this body that you, can, you think, oh, yes, I can start a ministry or, or do something about that? Because guess what? If God's placed something on your heart, if you see something in need, there's no, there's no special ministry of people that get ideas and tell other people to, that, that, what they should do. That's not a thing. If God's placed something on your heart, it's so you can do it. And you know what? I'll be your champion. If you share that with me, don't tell me that I should do it unless he's placed it on my heart. But if you share it with me, I will be your biggest champion to go and do the things that God has placed on your heart to do. Maybe it's, and I'm speaking perhaps to the, um, what's the polite term, the senior generation. Your time isn't finished. You have, you have, an opportunity to disciple the next generation. Ah, yeah. oh, but I'm not ready. No, you're not ready. He is ready. Oh, I don't have what I need. Yes, you do. You've got everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. The third thing I believe God is speaking to us as a church is that it is time to look beyond our borders. And we st- we're starting to see this happen. We've got a, these guys going to casino next week. But let's, let's start refocusing, not on us, but the globe. We can do it. We can impact nations. Not as a church organization, as a church, as people. As you sitting there thinking, oh, I've got a heart for Indonesia. Great. There's an equip in Indonesia in July. In fact, Russ is over there. He's on his way over there so that he can start organizing, the, um, the sorting out a venue and getting teams together over there. There's opportunity. In fact, we um, are part of a, uh, well, we relationally connect to other churches and we're part of a, a um, network called NCMI. And because of that network, we have connections with churches across the globe. So if you have a heart for anywhere, we can probably connect you in with some people there. Or some Christian people who you can go and you can be there for a, uh, two weeks or two years or whatever you feel. 
So they, the, the word for this, this church, I believe, in this time is to look out beyond our circumstance, our personal thing. Look, look beyond the walls, us as a body, and look beyond the borders, impacting nations. Okay, verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent, there's that word again, to make your call and election sure. So what that means is to have faith in the surety of your call. If he's called you, have faith in that. Say, yep, he's called me. Because tough times will come. Let's not um, pretend they don't. So you have to have faith in the surety of your call. Where are we up to? For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Yeah, big promise. You know, in the kingdom, we don't stumble if we are drawing near to God. If we're being diligent to allow his fruit to grow in our life and choosing to look beyond ourselves. Choosing to have an outward focus, not an inward focus. You know, if I'm, if I'm walking along and I'm so concerned about not stumbling and I'm like, oh, okay, I've got, to, I've got to look where I'm going. I've got to make, make sure I know where I'm going. And then all of a sudden, you're not, you're not seeing the big picture. Instead of being over here, I'm over here now because I'm not looking out. I'm looking down. I'm so concerned about not stumbling that you end up stumbling. In Isaiah 41, verse 13, it says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Psalm 73, 23 says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will lead me to a position of honor. We don't stumble because we're trying not to stumble. We don't stumble because we're holding on to the hand of God. And he is leading us as we're looking out. Well, I thought it was a cool picture anyway. There's this idea that we are um, yoked to Jesus. You know, he says in his word, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We still put on a yoke though. Oh, you're yoking about it. No, it's true. <laughs> so picture this. Jesus, I don't know how theological this is. So let's go on a ride together. Jesus carried his cross through the street. He bore the weight of the cross. He bears the weight of our burden. And so he's carrying this cross. He tells us to pick up your cross and follow me. So we are carrying our cross. Then he says, come near me. And the yoke is like a wooden beam across your shoulders. Similar imagery. And so Jesus is carrying this wooden beam, his yoke, across his shoulders. A yoke, if you don't know, is what they use to connect oxen together so that they pull in unison. And so the, the, the yoke is on Jesus' shoulder. He says, come and join me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we put on the yoke, but he does the pulling. He's taking the load. We just have to walk in lockstep with him. If we come out of alignment, oh, it's a heavy burden. It's a heavy burden. Lockstep with Jesus. He's carrying the load. 
Try to run ahead. Oh, it's a heavy burden. Slow down. <laughs> Slow down. Walk with Jesus. Why don't we stand up? I'm not saying bad things don't happen. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But if you're being weighed down by burden, it's not Jesus. If your Christian walk is a dreary trudge, then maybe you're doing it wrong. Just saying. Maybe your focus has shifted away from Jesus and it's become short-sighted. Your focus may be on structure or program or procedure. Let's focus back on Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. You know, I'm in the building trade and a finishing carpenter will come in at the end of a job and make everything look perfect. Fixes all the little mistakes. Fits all the things that look good. Gets everything ready for the owner. He finishes our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith. If we just fix our eyes on him, we stay focused on Jesus. And we remember the joy of our salvation. So no matter where we're at today, no matter what you're looking at, where your sightedness is pointing, we can just fix our eyes back on Jesus. Let me pray. Thank you, Jesus, that it really is just all about you. And forgive us for the things that we add and the things that we take away and, and the... Um, the coping mechanisms which we instigate in our life, which are not from you or not you. Help us to keep our eyes fixed upon you and only you, that as we draw near, we will receive the fruitfulness, the promises, the life and godliness, not just for us, but through us, to those around us. So we just thank you, Jesus priesthood of all believers doing the work of the ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.